Welcome to Locked On Warriors, your daily podcast on all things Warriors, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm Wes Goldberg, Warriors writer for the Mercury News. Today's episode of Locked On Warriors is brought to you by Built Bar, the best-tasting low-carb protein bar I've ever had. The promo code LOCKEDON gets $10 off of your first box at BuiltBar.com. Charles Hamilton will join me to cover uh, some of his free agent targets later on, but I wanted to start with the news that the Warriors are planning to reopen their facilities on June 15th following Mayor London Breen's announcement that San Francisco will allow professional sports practices and games with no fans. It's not expected that the Warriors will participate in the NBA's resumption of the season in Orlando as well as Disney World, get, but getting players in for workouts and practices should still provide a ton of value for this team. I don't think the Warriors want to play in Orlando, okay? It seems far less likely that when the NBA resumes its season in Disney World, like they're planning to do in their bubble city, that all 30 teams will be invited. It doesn't make sense. First of all, the Warriors are eliminated. It doesn't make sense to uh, up the risk total by inviting more teams than you need. More likely than not, it'll probably be 16 to maybe 20 teams invited to Orlando. And the Warriors have already been eliminated from the playoffs. They're not going to be part of that. It doesn't make any sense to go through all of this, to show up in Orlando, play a couple of games that, to round out some uh, version of this regular season, and then go back home. It doesn't make any sense. So they... I think we've seen the last of the Warriors, and by the way, good riddance. Like, we don't need to see any more of the the 2019-2020 Warriors. We're good. I think I share the sentiment of all Warriors fans. We've seen enough. But uh, I think for this team, that look, they under, like Steph Curry doesn't want to play again. Draymond Green doesn't want to play in some fake, you know, friendly versions of these games. They don't want to do that. All right, I make the joke all the time. I don't even know if you're going to get Steve Kerr to leave San Diego to go coach in Disney World. All right? Some for, for meaningless basketball games. But when you talk to these players and you talk to these coaches, one of the things that comes up is that they do regret not being able to see more of Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry play together. They only played one game together, and they got none of, of Steph Curry, Jamon Green, and Andrew Wiggins playing together. They hadn't seen a single minute of that. So you could still accomplish some of that. You can get them on the court by, you know, in a training camp type setting. And if the NBA does resume its city or its season in Orlando with 16 or 20 teams there, they should still allow all their teams to go ahead and run some sort of training camp because it's expected that you, you return to your market, you get 14 days of quarantine, you get a couple weeks of workouts, and then you do a couple weeks of training camp, and then boom, you start, in the regular, you, you start your postseason in Orlando. All teams should be able to participate in all of those things up until Orlando. Because if the Warriors, now you can accomplish that. Now, you're not going to get real game experience for Wiggins, Green, and Curry, but you can at least get them all on the court in some sort of pickup style situation, a scrimmage type of situation. With 15 players, you can field three different uh, teams and you can just rotate them through in you know, round-robin tournaments all at Chase Center. There's value in that. There's value in getting through the playbook, running Andrew Wiggins and Steph Curry and Draymond Green and all these guys through the playbook together. All right, more time for Marquise Chris. To develop into your starting center more time maybe you even throw clay thompson out there behind closed doors maybe you know it's more time for guys like michael Mulder and jordan Poole and eric pascal who had their developmental seasons shortened there's value across the board here so it's a no-brainer to me that if you're the warriors you should utilize this that, that this june 15th date is a big deal even when we don't expect them to play another game this is a big deal for them because if the last game they're going to be, if the last game they played was in the middle of March, March tenth, okay, and you don't resume your season until 
December, January. Like, we're talking about nine months of just not playing basketball? No way. And half, most of these guys don't even have an indoor court or even a hoop that they can practice on. Steph Curry's got his own thing going on. We know that. That's about it. Even Draymond Green, he's been using a Peloton. Like, he's not getting up shots. So to get these guys into a facility where they're not as rusty and they can continue to work out there throughout this offseason in a, in a way that you're you, – even if that facility is open throughout the offseason – you're probably not going to get a formal training camp until probably, you know, November, December-ish. So utilize what you have. And so if it's June to July or, or, you know, beginning of July, that is much more helpful than just running one-on-one workouts. And it's much more helpful than not getting on the court altogether, you know, your core players altogether until, you know, early 2021. So they should utilize this, and I think this is really this is a really big deal. I don't, I don't, I'm not I'm not exaggerating. This is a really big deal, and it's hugely beneficial uh, if you're the Warriors. Charles Hamilton will join me next to remember the 2010-11 Warriors as we continue along and wrap up Time Machine Week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. But first, I wanted to talk to you uh, about Built Bar. The world of protein bars is being rebuilt by Built Bar. It's the best tasting protein bar I've ever had. A protein bar covered in 100% real chocolate. I'm telling you. It tastes like a candy bar, but it doesn't make you feel gross. It doesn't have this weird artificial flavor and texture that a lot of these protein bars have. Um, You know, I'm a guy who likes to diet a lot. I I do the ketogenic thing. I do low-carb diets a lot. It makes me feel good. And I can usually tell when a product is good by the way it makes my body feel afterwards. And I've eaten a bunch of these things, and I have never felt bad after. But I do feel like I'm cheating a little bit because it is a treat. They're... They're delicious. Again, covered in chocolate. You got a bunch of different flavors like mint chocolate brownie, um, raspberry chocolate cream, toffee almond, uh, banana nut muffin, all these kind of things. You get this nougaty center that has all the flavor plus the chocolate. They're small. They're not really filling, but they do. They, they are just enough food for you post workout or just if you need a snack in the middle of the day. If you're on the go, maybe you're, you know, when when we're all allowed back in our cars and you're commuting. Something on the road just like that. If you're, you know, commuting on the 680 and you just need something, boom, this is helpful. Um, so I love them. They gave us all a box for free. I've already got – I'm already planning on ordering another box as soon as I work through this one. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON and you get $10 off of your first order. I'm going to use this code. Again, the code is LOCKEDON, one word, and you get 10 bucks off at BuiltBar.com. I'm here now with Charles Hamilton, who is joining me with his usual couple of free agents that we're going to talk about later on. But it's Time Machine Week here on the Locked On Podcast Network. On Thursday, we discussed the 2000-2001 season with Connor Letourneau. Today, we're going to be talking about the 2010-2011 season with Charles, who is here now. Um, What do you remember growing up as a Warriors fan? What sticks out about that season to you? Because that was... Uh, that was the year that they had acquired David Lee. Steph Curry was still there. Monte Ellis was still there. What do you remember? Uh, a little bit of hope initially. You know, getting David Lee was, even with his flaws, especially uh, well-documented now, especially defensively, it was, you know, a, a good player. He was the first all-star they had had in, I don't know, 100 years, something like that. So, there was optimism for sure, especially being a guy who drank the Monte Kool-Aid. Steph was playing well. 
he hadn't really had his big injuries yet. Uh, you know, he, he shot between those first two years, he was at 44% from three, which is one of the best things to me when you draft someone for a certain skill. Like, we didn't know he was going to end up being the two-time MVP, all that stuff, changing the game. But when you draft a guy knowing he can shoot and he shows up able to shoot, it's it's relieving. You know, I look at Trey Young, who's right. a great player right now, and, all, you know, he's going to be fine. He's, he's a good player. But his main uh, skill was looked at as shooting. And he shot, what, like 33% through his first two years from three. So just having that confirmation of Steph that this guy is – you know, a great three-point shooter uh, was also pretty good. But, you know, again, the, the, the optimism faded pretty quickly. Yeah, and, and so it, that's a good point you make about Steph because it, he's in that backcourt. He's starting to make the case that, you know, maybe this guy, he is, he is, a, real, he is a great three-point shooter. Actually, you know what? He's shown a little bit more. Maybe this whole Steph Curry, Montellus thing isn't going to – maybe we need to split up this group. Um, I know the, the David Lee thing was the first big acquisition that this team had made under Joe Lakeup. And he loved David Lee for years after that. And that was a kind of a sticking point when Steve Kerr was hired, um, benching David Lee for Draymond Green. And of course that happened because Dray, because David Lee got hurt. That was really the only reason that uh, Kerr was able to make it happen, um, at least politically, you know? And uh, mm-hmm. the, the, you, you look back on championship teams, it's hard to say exactly like when it really, started this was Steph Curry still no Clay Thompson still no Draymond Green uh no Harrison Barnes but um you know Steph's the guy right like everything is built around Steph and and I feel like these these beginning years for a player are so special for fans because these are the years that you look back on and say you know what this is when it all started I remember when type situations we just watched the whole last dance documentary right and it talks about Michael Jordan in the in the mid to late 80s for Bulls fans, that was really what, like, real Bulls fans remember Jordan in the 80s and just being this, like, dominating guy. And Steph, um, throughout the – it was it wasn't really in, until I feel like 2012, 2013, 2014, where he, he broke out. You know, he obviously ended up having the MVP season in 2015. And, um, but those I remember those series against the Clippers, against the Spurs. It was like, okay, this guy's the real deal. But I even – you know, even back then in 2010, um, you could tell that – he was one of the next up and coming guys. If he could just stay healthy, just for context, like the rest of what was going on in the, uh, in the NBA. I mean, that was the year that LeBron James and Chris Bosh teamed up with Dwayne Wade in Miami. Right. And we were coming right off yeah. of, um, you know, the Lakers with uh, Kobe Bryant and Pau Gasol and that whole group. Um, so the league was, it seemed to still belong to Kobe and LeBron and all these guys. Um, and this was sort of the, like the, the Warriors were just sort of building and developing sort of in the shadows. That's what these seasons, to me at least, represent. Yeah, definitely. And it it's easy to look back on all of it and see what culminated with Steph and think it's all about Steph. And with this team, it mostly was because, you know, who else was on it? It was guys like Beedrins and Dan Gatzurich and, right. you know, Lou Amundsen. So Steph is the piece. Yeah, Troy, uh, Troy Murphy had a cup of coffee. Exactly. So it's... Trust me, we're not glossing over much here. It's it's all about Steph. I will say this was the second season, though, where you really realize that Beedrins just doesn't have it. And for a guy who, 
you know, was just under a double-double for two years and then got paid and seemed like a nice piece of that. We believed him in a nice piece moving forward. You know, the, the thought was that they were going to build around Monte and Deidre's. And this was the second year. I think he averaged five points, and he just – he lost I, – I don't know. He lost uh, his love for basketball, his confidence, whatever it is. It's a great mystery. I know they've talked about it. Uh, you know, some of the some of the beat writers back then about you know he liked to party and lost his confidence. But I mean, it can't just be that simple. But maybe it is. But this was definitely the second year where it was okay. Great, we have new center now. It's not going to be him. Right. What What else do you remember about how that team was covered? Because I didn't really pay much attention to how the Warriors were covered back in 2010. I mean, they were bad. You know how how a bad team gets covered. Um, there was a lot of love for Steph, deservedly so. Uh, the I, I I was one of the people that was why couldn't Steph and Monte work? You know, like why right. can't that work? And uh, you know, I was wrong, obviously. And like I said, you know, the the Monte love runs deep uh, around these parts. But it was a lot of love for Steph. Monte had. He got his praise, and, you know, he still played Monte ball, basically. Um, it's just hard to look back on it now because kind of knowing the the rose-colored glasses I saw it through where it probably wasn't as good as I thought it was. It probably was inefficient and some ugly basketball. But it was mostly about Steph, especially in his second year playing well. I guess we should just say kind of what happened that year, too. I mean, that was the team coached by Keith Smart. Um, their record was 36 and 46 by the end of the year. They finished 12th place in the Western Conference, um, and it was clear after that year that um, you know something had to give, right? Like it was a disappointing year, all things considered, because they not to keep going back to David Lee, but it was a really big deal for that organization when they acquired him. And uh, I mean, you think about what was going on in the league with a bunch of guys going to Miami and the super team that the, the Lakers had and Amari Stoudemire going over to the Knicks, which freed up David Lee to go to the Warriors. Um, like all of those things were happening and, uh, and the Warriors wanted to get in. This was a Warriors team that from under Joe Lake up after he had, you know, bought the team with his ownership group, continued to make big swings, whether it was Chris Paul or Dwight Howard. We know the guys that he's been interested in. Um, This sort of kind of set the tone for that. And um, and it was, again, it was was unfortunate that it was a disappointing year. But David Lee sticked around for a while. So I I can't – you can't say that his Warriors tenor was a complete uh, disappointment. He had those, you know, big games in the finals. We remember those. Um, Overall had a good career in Golden State. But, uh, yeah, so it was – it was an interesting year for just from a transition period. It wasn't quite the transition, but it was sort of the beginning of a transition period for the Warriors. Yeah, and one thing Warriors fans always remember and bring up from that year is Keith, uh, Keith Smart, you know, benching Steph in the fourth for, what, like AC Law or whatever, and uh, <laughs> right. who was it, Ish Smith maybe? Uh, you know, it was uh, <laughs> it was interesting. It's something everyone always remembers. And uh, back to David Lee, though, it, it was a successful career, no question. Uh, obviously in a better place with Draymond. And you know, like you said, the injury gave way for the, the move to be made, at least politically with Joe Lacob, et cetera. It was at least a reason to do it. 
Um, but, you know, he was their first all-star in 30-something years. Maybe it should have been Steph, but the bottom line is it wasn't. It was David Lee. And he was part of that championship team. Even though he'd been benched and didn't play much, he was part of uh, that finals run. I think in game three when they were getting beat, they put David Lee in late in the game, made a nice run, and started making adjustments moving forward. He got minutes in those last uh, last three games, and, you know, he contributed. I know Matt Barnes talks about how his ring is illegitimate, which I disagree with uh, personally. But David Lee, if, if – if there's an argument that he doesn't deserve it or he wasn't a part of the team, that's wrong. He was definitely part of that, that championship that they won. Absolutely. Uh, and Steve Kerr would say the same exact thing. Um, all right, let's get out of this segment. Next up, we will have Charles's uh, two free agent targets that he brings here every Friday. This is Locked On Warriors. Okay, we're back on a Friday with Charles after a week off. Um, but he brought with him two free agent targets per usual. Charles, who do you got? I got, you know, you you made me start thinking about something a couple weeks ago when I brought up Andre Roberson. And these defensive stoppers, quote-unquote, who are almost zeros offensively, they're not going to be night-to-night, you know, rotation players. But they do have a place, especially for a team that is to make the playoffs, make another finals run, etc. So I got two young guys. One of them is a defensive stopper. The other uh, probably not as good defensively as we initially thought, but still a, a interesting young player. And you might even call them reclamation projects. But the first one is Michael Kidd Gilchrist, who, as we all know, has no three-point shot. Offensively is, you know, a zero. Probably more of a power forward, at least schematically at this point. But as far as that role of coming in and being a defensive stopper, even though he's not the same level as Andre Roberson when he was at his best, he's another big, long wing that you can throw at, you know, one through four pretty much. So he's an option. Uh, He definitely would be a reclamation project. He has not worked out at all uh, in his career, at least as far as being such a high pick. Right. And the next one is Denzel Valentine. Uh, from the Bulls, played at Michigan State. He isn't as good defensively as you initially would have thought, but he's another guy. He's six six. He's got the size to at least throw at people. You know, you're not always going to have uh, an Andre Iguodala, but a guy with size can leverage that, can use it. He's a much better three-point shooter, but he's also dealt with some injuries and also dealt with not getting playing time. So there's something there, ineffective play. Um, maybe I overrate the Michigan State connection with Draymond, but I mean, seeing guys like Denzel Valentine and Jaron Jackson at Draymond's uh, jersey retirement, you know, you can't overlook the fact that Draymond is a Michigan State legend, and they look up to uh, a guy like Draymond. And you know, if someone can can get to him other than Tom Izzo, it might be Draymond Green. It also might not be. Maybe I'm overrating it, but it's definitely a connection there that uh, that could work out. But, again, these are guys who are probably end of the roster but could contribute at times. The Denzel Valentine thing is really interesting because that, that's a good way to put it. Like Valentine, for example, like, yeah, he played well under Izzo. He was a first-round pick for a reason. If anybody can – and we know that, like, 
you know, Izzo and, and Draymond are like one and the same person. Uh, maybe, yeah, Draymond can't. And you would you would kind of know pretty quickly, right? Like you could just bring mm-hmm. Denzel Valentine to training camp and can tell, okay, is he really taking to Draymond and everything here? Um, is he better than where he was in Chicago? Because one of the things we know the Warriors have looked for is, can we grab a guy from a dysfunctional organization and situation and put him in our uh, culture and get the most out of him if yep. he's talented, you know, a la Marquise Chris. So that's an interesting one. Michael Kidd-Grilchrist, I was so wrong on him. I loved him coming <laughs> out um, in, in the draft. And uh, I didn't think he should have gone number one that year, but, uh, you know, over Anthony Davis, obviously. But uh, number two was right. You know, that was a good – I thought it was going to be a great pick. Uh, but that just goes to show you, like, these guys who project as defenders in the NBA who have zero offense, but everybody's, well – you can teach them to shoot. You can learn to shoot. You can't always just learn to shoot. Sometimes you just can't. Mm-mm. And for Michael Kidd, Girlcrest, it's never going to be there for him. Even this last year in Charlotte, he was playing center sometimes for them. That was like the only place they could put him um, because he's <laughs> such a non-spacer. Uh, I think that the Warriors yeah. could actually get a lot out of MKG in that situ- in that sense. He would be very much a break in the case of emergency, backup Draymond Green type guy. But it is something you have to consider when you look at Draymond Green's injury history this last year, right? Like, if he can't – if Draymond Green can't play 78 games for you, okay, or if he's if he's going to play, you know, less than 70 games in a season, you might have to consider, oh, who's our guy? Is And maybe it is Eric Paschal. But Eric Paschal could end up playing small forward for this team. So, um, you know, there's some things that, that they need to look at. And if they see, you know, we like MKG's skill set, we, we like what he could bring to the table. Um, maybe we can get something out of him. I just don't think that he's quite there. Um, I think that there's a, there, it, it's too situational to use a roster spot on him. And for, those, and for that reason, I'd probably go with Denzel Valentine if I had to pick between these two because, um, first of all, I still like his game. I still think he could be a 3 and D guy. And I just love the idea of let's take him from Chicago where nothing was working. I mean, it's only like he can only be better than where than what was happening in Chicago. It is a pretty sweet thing, and you've seen it with the Heat and you know Spurs, etc. A number of different teams that actually have you know a good culture. When you take a guy from a bad team and turn him into a productive player, Marquise Chris, Javale, etc. Uh, it's definitely one of the, the joys that Warriors fans have. Uh, I'm pretty much with you, Kid Gilchrist. That's the thing. I think if you're looking for someone behind Draymond, you're hoping it's Eric Paschal. So right. Eric Paschal is going to get every opportunity to fail, so to speak. So it would be break break glass after breaking the glass. You know, like Paschal's <laughs> going to be the guy if Draymond misses any time. So uh, I'm with you. They're both 26 also, which mm-hmm. is still young enough to turn a career around, um, still young enough to fit the Warriors' plans. Uh, moving forward, but I, I also, it's so hard to uh, just kind of picture guys who cannot shoot uh, a lick in today's NBA, and that's Michael Kidd-Gilchrist. So, And another thing, if they're in a situation where it's take the risk of Andre Roberson or uh, Michael Kidd-Gilchrist for, you know, that defensive stopper, that, that very situational role, I'd rather take the risk of Andre Roberson. Oh, agreed. Yeah, I mean, this is <laughs> that's kind of the fun thing that we're doing here when you bring all these guys is sort of compare these guys against each other, but then against some of the other guys that you've um, 
targeted and, and brought on other shows. And right now, I think Andre Robeson yeah. is one of the, my favorite targets that you've that you've brought here. Um, all right, Charles. You really so sold me on him. I, I, <laughs> sorry, you really sold me yeah. on him. I, I brought him in. Was like, this is a weird one, an old Thunder player, but I'm with you. He's he's like at the top of my list now for uh, for the Dubs uh, this off season. He does make a lot of sense. Um, all right, yeah. we'll get out of here on that. Have a great weekend, everybody. Remember to subscribe to Locked On Warriors on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, wherever you get them. You can also leave us a rating and a review. It's much appreciated. Stay safe out there and have a great weekend. Thanks for listening.